0: We are wrapping up our series called Speaking of Christmas. And if you haven't been here, let me just give you a little bit of a, 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 a updated version of a short version of it. Uh, Cliff notes, if you all remember those. Uh, basically, what we've been doing is we've been looking at the four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And we've been looking at them through the lens of how they each tell us the same story of Christmas. But they give us a different perspective. And obviously some of them have more material than others. We looked at the history of God's faithfulness through the Gospel of Matthew. Through the Gospel of Mark, we looked at how God was preparing things long ago. And how He's a God who fulfills His promises. And He's constantly making a way for us because He truly is the way. Last week we looked at the Gospel of Luke and we looked at the songs of Christmas. And we looked at just this concept of of Christmas being a time just to worship. Because there's this reality that you can't have Easter. You can't have the death and the resurrection. You can't have the forgiveness of sins if we don't first have Christmas happening. And that's something that is worthy of praise. This morning we're looking at my favorite Gospel, arguably probably my favorite book of all of scripture which is the gospel of John the gospel of John uh, most scholars believe was either written by the disciple John himself or someone uh, was a scribe and they wrote down it for him now the gospel of Matthew and the gospel of Luke there's so much of it that is similar and is written with a lot of the same material almost word for word as uh, the gospel of mark and that's because that was sort of a source the gospel of john is incredibly interesting because only about uh 10 of it is exactly the same as the other ones now that's not something to be like oh gosh this john guy is just going crazy but what it does is it tells us and it gives us another beautiful eyewitness account it gives us another beautiful uh view of jesus his life and his teaching and his death and his resurrection and the Gospel of John does a beautiful thing. One of, the, one of John's favorite things that he likes to use as he teaches, as he writes, is this contrast between darkness and light. And he also is very interested in helping the reader, us, understand and know that we belong to the family of God. Have you guys ever experienced rejection before? Surely not in a room like this. No one's experienced rejection before. If I if I say rejection, do you start thinking of places, moments, conversations? For me, I think of being in the middle school locker room that smelled like Axe and bad middle school B.O. And I can remember thinking for sure that I was making the 7th grade boys basketball team. And I was overconfident. And I can remember walking up to the list and my name not being there. I can remember... Getting the letter saying that I made it onto the dean's list. But the dean's list where if you don't get your grades up, you're going to get kicked out of school list. It was not a fun phone call with my mom. I can remember thinking that I was going to be planting a church. And I can remember thinking that all of my plans leading up to about five or six years ago was that I was going to be planting a church in Michigan. And I was so excited and so much of my hope, so much of my passion, my identity was wrapped up in it. And I can remember getting the phone call in my bedroom saying, it's not going to happen anymore. We all understand probably those moments of just like we got kicked in the gut, right? Where we just feel hopeless for a moment. The Gospel of John, in many ways, reminds us of this fact that God understands that we experience those things. You know, I've found in my own life that typically the beauty of acceptance, the the feeling of gratitude to be invited to something, to be accepted into something, it feels that much sweeter when you understand and you felt the pain of rejection, doesn't it? When it's just something that you're used to, it doesn't totally feel the same. And the Gospel of John pushes us in this this direction to help us understand about this. If you have a Bible this morning, you can open up to the Gospel of John, chapter 1. If not, it's going to be up on the screen. But we're going to dive in and we're going to be looking at this idea of acceptance. We're going to be looking at this idea of light and darkness. The Gospel of John begins really interestingly. It's different than uh, Matthew and Luke, for example. When it tells the Christmas story, we don't hear about mangers or stables. We don't hear necessarily about a birth. But we go back to the very beginning. And it's important to note that if you ever want to just have a little bit of fun and geek out with me about the Bible, sometime spend time reading the first couple chapters of Genesis, the very first book of the Bible, and then read the first chapter of the Gospel of John. Because there's so much similarities, because the Gospel of John wants to tell us a story not just about Jesus and his life and his teaching, but this overarching story of God and his love for his people. And so it begins like this. It says, in the beginning was the Word. And the Word here, what this is representing for us is Jesus. In the beginning, so if you want to, if it's helpful, you just say, in the beginning was Jesus. And the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him, all things were made. Without him, nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. Not part of mankind, not a certain group, but of all mankind. And the light shines in the darkness. And the darkness has not overcome it. I love, love, love the beauty, the imagery of the way this begins. So let's break this down. Let's, let's, let's see some of the significance here. So in the very beginning was Jesus, from the beginning of time. You know, sometimes I think there's this big question about like, when did Jesus originate? Like how did, how did this creation happen? And the best that we understand is from the Gospel of John, we learn this reality that Jesus always was and he was always coming. This isn't some sort of backup plan where, uh, you know, like God finally like partway through the Old Testament was like, I need to make a son so I can send him. You know, it's interesting. Do you guys ever feel this way sometimes? I was just going to be honest. Um, in my own prayer life, when I talk to God, when I'm in the midst of, of trials, of, of stresses, I, I sometimes talk to God like I'm trying to like pick, like, you know, bring him up to speed on some situation. Like, God, you don't understand what's going on. It's not like you're the creator of all the universe. Uh, it's not like you know everything that's gonna happen, what everything has happened before. And I sometimes kinda talk to him like, no, but God, I don't think you fully understand, okay? You the God of all the universe who knows me and my thoughts, how could you even understand? And the truth is, we, we, when we, when we look at the Gospel of John, we see this fact that God really, truly knows all. He really, truly has had it all planned, and he really, truly always has been coming. You see, if we go back to Genesis, and we see where God created the heavens and the earth, and we see where he created man in his own image, and he, he, he gave him a suitable helper, there's this reality that God's plan A, his, his hope always, was for him to just dwell with the people. You know, you could make the argument in some ways, if we never have the fall, there's never sin. That, 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 that in many ways Jesus is just hanging out in the garden the whole time. He's just being there. And the Gospel of John does this great way of trying to help us understand that if you want to know what God is like, look at Jesus. If you want to know who is this God, this, this God who maybe you think is distant, look at Jesus. Look at His attitudes, look at His relationships, look at His actions. But we find out obviously that He was part of creation. He was there from the beginning, and that He always was coming. And here's what the most important piece of this beginning, in my opinion, is: is one that He is for all of mankind, not just for a certain group. So for those of us who sometimes sit back and we say, "I'm not worthy," God doesn't care a lick about me. Why would He? No, 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 no. He was for you too, and I'm going to get even more why that's important in a minute. But I love this, 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 this imagery that the light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. I Man, I don't know about y'all, but I get sick sometimes of just hearing people even who, who claim to know Jesus who just talk about how awful like the world is. They talk about how everything just continues to get worse and worse. They talk as if like, you know, they don't know about the savior of the world, the light of all the world who's come and that the darkness has not overcome it. You'd think like they think we're still in the third quarter and we're down by 20. It's ridiculous. And I understand we can go try, tired and weary. We can have moments where like, I, don't, I can't see a way out of this. But to me, this is this is this beginning that John wants to let us know that. Listen, before we even get to the end of the story, before we even hardly get into the story, I just want you to know we already won. There's no, like, oh, well, we'll see what ends up happening. No, 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 no. Victory has already came. The light has already won. The darkness cannot hold a candle. That was a pun. Um, Thank you. I've been thinking about that one all week. But it can't. There's nothing it can do about that. You know, again, darkness truly is just absence of light. And there's this reality that if the light of all the world Is here with us as we sang the song Emmanuel God with us if he's here with us. Guess what y'all It's light in here It's not darkness no more We continue on and I want to skip skip through we're going to come back. So if some of y'all are like he skipped verses Don't tell my mom just go with me here John chapter 1 verse 14 the word Became flesh and made its dwelling among us. We have seen his glory in the glory of the one and only son who came from the father full of grace and full of truth. Now this is such a beautiful, powerful imagery. It's this, 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 this obvious like moment to just say, listen, the God of all the world who at one point at the beginning of creation created man in his image so that he would know that she would know that they were full of value full of love, that he created them in in their image. I just Again, never let that just sink away from you. Like I saw every time I see a little baby, I'm just reminded because they're so cute and miraculous of God. They are created in the image of God. You are created in the image of God. But the God who created man in his own image came and became in the image of man because he loves us, because he wanted to be with us. He wanted to dwell among us. That's just such a powerful. Sometimes we read scripture and it's just like, yeah, it's like, are you kidding me? Like the God of all the world didn't just save us in a in a, like a. Whoosh, whoosh, whoosh. He quite literally, again, pun intended, had some skin in the game. And that's just beautiful, good news. And the truth is, is he's still with us. You know, he's left his Holy Spirit here with us. God is still with us because he loves us. All right, we're going to go back now. The Gospel of John, chapter 1, 9 through 13. The true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet to all who did receive him, you should listen to this part, to those who believed in his name, he gave right to become children of God children not born of natural descent nor human decision, but of a husband's will, born of God. Do you see that? It is because He came that we no longer have to be at odds with God. The reality is, is the way that our world works is that we serve a God who is holy. Holy just means set apart. It means perfect. It means unblemished. And there's this reality That something that is holy, something that is perfect, it cannot live in a great relationship with brokenness, with darkness, with sin and rebellion. So the reality is whether we like it or not, when sin entered our world, we became at odds with God. It's not as if He doesn't like us, doesn't love us. It's not as if that. But there's this reality that our sinfulness puts up this barrier between us being able to have a full-fledged, beautiful relationship. It's sort of like if a neighbor, uh, you and the neighbor are like besties, but then all of a sudden you put up a big fence in front of them and no longer is there as perfect of a relationship. I get fences and I don't, no one read into this and be like, oh, he's making wall references. There's nothing about that. But it's just this reality. There's this separation. So when it talks about this, that Jesus came, and that he gave the right to those who would believe in his name have the right to become children of God. Man, do you just realize the power and the beauty of that? That though we once may have been at odds with God, and now we're family? I mean, that's just a powerful, powerful thing. One of my favorite stories in the Old Testament. Some of you guys have heard this story before. If you have, sorry. But I don't really care. There's this great story you find it in 2 Samuel. It, uh, the guy has this great name. I'll probably butcher the name. Uh, you probably wouldn't read it well either. Mephibosheth. Classic name. I don't know why it's not making all the hot baby lists of these names. Mephibosheth, especially for a girl, right? No, I'm just kidding. It's a guy's name. It's hard to tell so sometimes. Let's just be honest. Sometimes there are names that we see and we're like, I'm not sure how to say this. I'm not sure, boy, girl. Mephibosheth, though. Mephibosheth was the son of Jonathan, grandson of saul the very first king of all of the uh, israelite people saul and jonathan were killed during a battle and as power was changing over mephiboshab was just a small little baby and as they were trying to rush him out as the enemy well it really wasn't the enemy it was david who was the victor they were coming in he was accidentally dropped and when he was dropped he became crippled and in, 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 in just some of, some of his uh, uh, difficulties just made it hard where he didn't really have the opportunity to uh, be able to have a great job. He couldn't really uh, serve in different sort of roles. And so Mephibosheth ends up being this beggar on the side of the road. And what's interesting is that you think about it, left to him his own, his own self, he probably is just has no real great hope. Most people probably aren't going to be reaching out to take care of him. It wasn't like how we, we live in a culture today where we value people who have differences, who have different um, things that they need help with. But in his day and age, he probably was just going to be there. And most of his family has gone at this point. But one day, King David, man after God's own heart, from the line of Jesus, King David was just praying and he felt as if, I want to do something to bless my best friend, Jonathan. I want to do something. I wish, is there someone left from their line who maybe I could just bless and, 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 and it would just be a great thing. And they said, there is one, this boy Mephibosheth. And so David, that very day, ordered and decreed, go grab that boy, clean him up, and bring him and sit him at the king's table. And forever he shall sit at the king's table. And he will dine and be treated like one of the family of the king. It's this beautiful, beautiful story where we find out that someone who is broken, someone who is helpless, and someone who is hopeless, gets an invitation to dine at the table with the king forever. Truth is, that may be Mephibosheth's story, but that's also our story because of Jesus. Today, really all I want the message to be about is the fact that there's an invitation for Christmas. And the invitation is this, that you have been invited to the King's table. You've been invited in relationship, not because of anything you could do or earn, but because of who your Father is. Jesus came Because of who our Father is He was sent by the Father to do the will of the Father And He came despite our brokenness Despite our unfaithfulness Despite our unworthiness So that we could have new life So that we could sit at the right hand of our Father again You see it was If we would surrender We could have victory If we would surrender we could have victory If we could put to death our old life Man could we have new life My favorite verse in all of Scripture comes from the Gospel of John. It's John chapter 12, verse 46, and it just says this, I have come into this world as light, so that no one who believes in me should stay in darkness. My favorite verse is because I know what it's like to be in darkness. I know what it's like to be rejected. I know what it's like to feel like I'm broken, helpless, and hopeless, sitting on a side of a road. But on the other realm, I know what it's like to experience the light. I know what it's like to go and be invited in, to sit at the table, to be in relationship with my Heavenly Father. And it's my life verse because it's it's, it's something that propels me to this idea that I know how terrible it is. And I don't want anyone else to have to stay there. I don't want anyone else to have to just feel like they're hopeless, they're helpless, they're broken, they're unwanted goods, I want them to know that they are sons and daughters of the Most High God. That if they would believe in Him, that they would have the greatest gift they could ever receive. Something that will not go away. Something that cannot be taken from them. But the invitation is there. And they have to choose to take it. This morning, I my biggest prayer, my biggest hope, you can stand with me because I'm going to pray in just a moment, is that you would know that you have been invited to come out of darkness you've been invited to be sons and daughters of the one true God. Don't miss that. Don't miss out on that moment to accept that invitation. For some of us, we've never accepted it. For some of us, maybe we've said it with our mouth, but we've never felt it in our heart. We've never truly lived it out. This morning, I want you to know that you don't have to stay in the darkness anymore. You don't have to stay on the side of the road. It is time for you to come inside your father's house. It is time for you to have your father look you in the eyes and say, My daughter, you are beautiful. I love you. I want you. My son, I am proud of you. I will use you. Man, that is my son. This morning is your opportunity, your invitation to receive that gift. I'm going to pray. We're going to sing a song. And during that time, May you do whatever you need to do in this moment to just work things out with God. Let's pray. God, I thank you just so much for who you are. God, I just thank you for the fact that, God, you are good. God, and, and sometimes words can just fail us and words can get in our way. And if we just spend too much time talking, God, we miss it. So, God, in this moment, God, I pray that they don't hear words from me, but they hear words from you. God, I pray in this moment that we are our listeners, listeners. God, we're not waiting to just respond back to you by something, but God, we're listening for your voice. And God, we're not listening to the other voices. God, this morning, God, throughout our lives, there are voices that tell us we are dumb, we are ugly, we're not good enough, we could never measure up. We could never be forgiven. We are a mistake. God, in the name of Jesus, this morning, would those voices be silenced, be banished and be sent to the darkness because lord we know that the light has overcome that your son has came and god we no longer have to stay in the darkness we no longer have to stay where our sin tells us we have to we've been invited to dine at the table with the king forever So, God, this morning, God, I pray that those who maybe have never accepted you as their Savior, God, I pray that they would just ask for forgiveness of the sin, of the things that have separated them from you. And, God, that they would just experience your embrace in this moment, that they would experience your grace and your love. God, I pray that maybe for some of us, God, maybe we've walked away. God, we've been unfaithful in certain things. God, would this be our moment to repent, to turn around and just go back home, To come out of the darkness and allow that light to be there. God, maybe there's even things that we haven't told anyone. We don't want to tell anyone. We're afraid of what's going to happen. God, this morning I pray in the name of Jesus, God, that there would be healing. God, that there would be reconciliation. That there would be truth telling. But God, that there would be forgiveness and there would be love. God, we all need that. God, we all need the invitation to Christmas. Because God, we all need to get there to Easter. So God, as we sing this song would it just bring you glory and honor? God, would it be the cry of our heart to just say we accept your invitation. God, we accept your love. We are unworthy, but God, we thank you as sons and daughters. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen.